Hello, and welcome back to Reading Radio Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Jason. This month's book is Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. Yeah, this is a book that was chosen by our Reading Radio Book Club group on Facebook. So you can check us out by going to reading-radio.com. You'll get a pop-up there to join the Facebook group, join it, and you can actually influence which books we read. This is maybe not a book I would have selected, but it is a classic. What, uh, we're going to talk about it spoiler-free first, so what was your overall impression? It was a really, really good book. Definitely not something I would choose to read. Like, not choose to read. But I, if I saw this, I probably wouldn't pick it up and say, ooh, this sounds good. Had you ever heard of it before? Maybe. Okay. I feel like I might have heard of it, but not known much about it. Have you heard of Steinbeck before? No. Okay, Steinbeck is a prolific author from back in the 30, uh, 30s and 40s. <laughs> I had to guess, I think he was born, this was published in 35. So, and then he wrote uh, The Grapes of Wrath right after that, if you've heard of those. I've heard of that. So, a lot of good, a lot of good things out there by Steinbeck. Maybe we'll get to read some of them eventually. Uh, overall, uh, well, you know what, before we can jump into that, What's going on? What have you been up to? Um, we're on winter break. Yes, it's nice. We are recording this actually really close to the release date. It is Christmas Eve of Eve right now. It is. I look at the calendar <laughs> you're, you're right. <laughs> it's Christmas Eve Eve. Holy cow. Yeah, so closer, closer to the release date than we like to do, but still. Um, I've been doing some writing of my own. I've published into one... Sent in to one competition and a young writer's journal. That's for the Columbus area. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, I started a new job a couple weeks ago. Then immediately started my Christmas break. <laughs> so I'm going back through all my notes and emails and frantically trying to learn and remember everything I need to know. Uh, so leading a team of developers. And uh, it's a good time. Good guy, Good team. Good folk. Good uh, mission. It's just a matter of you know learning the ins and outs and all the players in the game and figuring out how all that works together. And still... For social, I mean, just for social reading, still plowing through the Keeper of the Lost City series, which I think is the first book we read, like the first one of for the podcast that I ended up, well, I'm going to end up finishing the series. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the, what, sixth book, seventh book now? Sixth, sixth I think. Sixth book now. Uh, and they're amazing. So if you haven't got, hadn't listened to our previous episode, Keeper of the Lost Cities, check it out. It, it's been great. Our whole family has been plowing through this thing. Uh, in fact, this morning when we woke up, three of us were sitting around the table reading it. So, it's a good book. But yeah, that's all the, per- the personal stuff, I think. Well, going on. We have the game tournament going on. We do. The Fisher Family Game Tournament is happening right now, and you and I have not won a game yet. That's because you p- keep picking ones the other two are good at. No, I actually picked games that I've all won more often than not. I just played badly. <laughs> so, every year for Christmas break, we do a game tournament where we play multiple games and keep score of who wins the you know most games, and we've got a little trophy. This will be the first year that a, somebody will get their name on it a second time. So we've each won one year. Uh, we actually have the tournament organized such that uh, it advantages the people who haven't won or who have won least recently, theoretically, because I should be winning, but I'm not. But it's a great little thing we do. And you know, we've been doing it for four years. It's our fifth year now, which is why it's going to be the first time somebody gets their name on the trophy twice. Because the first four years, we all got one on. Yeah, so this is big stakes this year. It'll be fun, though. It will be fun. So we played, uh, for those of you who are actually, I know gamers are going, what are you playing? Got to tell us. So, so far, we've played Last Will um, by Czech Games and Lords of Waterdeep. I forget the publisher on that one, but that's one of our favorites. And then I think our next one, because I get to pick again, is going to be a game called Windward, which we kickstarted. 
It's really good. It's a uh, air pirate whale hunting game. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's a, but, it's, but it is fun. All right, what are you reading uh, personally? Um, I just finished the 100 book series because me and my mom started the TV show for something to watch while the other two were at volleyball. And so I read the books, and they were really good. Yeah, this is a series compared to the book. You actually, you could probably do your own little episode on how the series compares to the books if you wanted to. Do a little mini. mini That'd shot. be fun. Yeah, uh, let us know in the comments if you'd like to hear Laura do that, or you know, on the Facebook page, wherever, wherever you want to reach out to us. Just let us know. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. I take care of most of that, but I'll pass the information on to her. <laughs> All right. So, of mice and men, uh, score one to five. One being why they waste time publishing. It's a classic. It's been around for almost 100 years. You probably don't want to go that low. Or a five, everybody should read this book. Probably a four and a half. I thought really? it was a really good book. I think that's higher than I rated Keeper. It might be. I'd have to go back and look. Oh, man. So I think just for the the impact it's had on society, it's it's like a five. Like Everyone should read it because it's short, it's easy. Well, it's not easy. It's short, and because it's had such an impact on society, I think everyone should read it. Personally, <coughs> personally, I'd rather, I'd probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna do a four. I might do it a little less new, but I've read this three times now, so maybe I'm less impacted by it. What about um? What about our age levels? There was a, quite a lot of vulgarity just in the language. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean. Other than that, I don't think there was much. But then, again, there could be stuff I'm missing. Yeah, I think we, we found out there was a few terms you didn't know what they meant, but they, yes. were, but they were vulgar terms. Which is fine with me. I'm happy about that. So Just, what, what age? Like, were you too young to read this book, do you think? No. Probably 13 or 14, around my age. Okay. Um, man, I almost think you might have been too young for it, but it's a probably okay because you didn't know some of the things. I would I would not go below thirteen. No. So, I, which it's funny. I looked this up on Common Sense Media, and this is the first book we've looked up, or at least I've looked up, where the kids had a higher rating than the parents. Interesting. The parents said thirteen. Sorry, the parents said eleven plus. The kids said thirteen plus. Usually, the kids are like, "No, nah, we can fine. We can read it." And the parents are like, "No, be cautious." But it was the other way around on this one, so that was interesting. That is interesting. All right. Well, this is a book club. We'd love to have you join us and read along and leave notes on the Facebook page or, you know, we'll have everyone communicate again. But if you haven't read the book, we're about to enter the spoiler zone. Somebody needs to make us a little stinger here that we can play. In. I don't know what. Or we'll get the old, maybe we'll get the, uh, the public domain stuff that goes dun, 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 like when you're about to reveal a mystery and a murder. <laughs> like, be fun. Anyway, we're going to talk about it now. If you have not read the book and you don't want to be spoiled, turn this off, read the book, come back and join us later. You've been warned. Okay. I just have to say. You're sorry? Because that's the only <laughs> thing I'll accept right now. <laughs> I'm not sorry because this is a classic book about just about a great struggle. But it was very fun for me to walk in as you were reading the last page. I just happened to roll You're into, so mean. I just happened to roll into your bedroom and you've got this look of terror on your face. And I just put my hand up and he just, the, the, the realization dawns on his face and he just stands there while I finish the page. Well, I looked down and first went, oh, I see where you are. I gave her a hug and I walked out of the room and then I went and said goodnight to your sister and then I came back and we, we yeah, we went over it. So let's talk about this a little bit from the beginning before we get to the end. Mm-hmm. George and Lenny, 
uh, which now every time I, I see cartoon characters go, okay, George, like now I think that's actually based on Lenny, although I'm not 100% sure that's where it came from. It's interesting. That feels like it could be from there. Yeah, so did you, did, Steinbeck doesn't do a, a good job of like laying out where, where and when this happened. But you can assume, because it was, it was published during the Great Depression, that that's the setting for it. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get that, or did you like just have no idea what was going on there? I don't think I really got that. Okay. I might have... Th- I kind of thought it was before that. Before the Great Depression? Do you have any idea when the Great Depression was? What I, The time period I'm thinking of is definitely before that, because I okay. thought it was kind of like cowboy era. Well, yeah, the cow... Well... Depending on how you define cowboy era, you could go back almost to, this, to right after the Civil War, so the 1870s, 80s, 90s, something in there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can get before that. But, yeah, they're migratory workers, apparently set in California, although I don't think it ever mentions that. I read that on the Wikipedia page. I don't think the location really matters to the story. No, not particular. So, we're, we're listening to, actually, we started listening to, let me try that again. We started listening to this on a road trip. And then we ended up turning it off because we weren't sure we were going to finish it based on the language. Mm-hmm. So, you know, early on, what you mentioned, there's a lot of vulgarity. There's some racist language. They use the N-word because that was common back in the day. We probably should have said that in the language section. So apologize if you're there and offended. But uh, we didn't write it. We just, and we didn't even recommend it. So this was recommended by the fans, so it's not our fault. Blame yourselves. Anyway. <laughs> um, I don't know. What were your initial impressions when we started reading it? I had no idea where it was going because it kind of like has the time to it so I kind of had to figure out where that was and understand the world that like people go around to different farms working but mm-hmm. once I got that I kind of understood the story yeah and what did you when they start talking about why Lenny <clears throat> why Lenny had to, Lenny and George had to leave the last place did you start to get an impression of what, what was going on with Lenny yeah yeah just that I don't know if he was what kind of if he was just not not intelligent, or if he was actually had some sort of handicap, that he was you know wasn't able to understand the ins and outs of social <laughs> social dynamics and what you're okay and not okay to do, and had no you know had no self restraint on it. So early on, you get the impression, you know, these guys are traveling together, but you know, in, in people's interactions with them legally, that's not normal. Yeah. So why? What <coughs> What was George's, uh, what, like, how do you feel about Lenny and what do you, how, how they responded? Like, what did you think of that interpersonal reaction, inter- interaction, I guess? It was an inter- interesting relationship between Lenny and George, like, that he still decided to stay with them even though Lenny kept messing things up at the various places they were. I think that just shows a, um, like, a bond of, like, a loyalty that he had because he promised Aunt Clara he would take care of him. George would take care of Lenny. Yeah. And so it just shows the loyalty that he's still willing to do that even after all the trouble that Lenny's caused him. I wonder if that was out of the goodness of his heart or out of the idea that he could get more jobs with Lenny with him because Lenny could work so hard Mm -hmm. that they come as a pair. So if you want the big guy who works really hard, you also have to take me. Whereas if Lenny's not around, George is just another worker who wouldn't be as interesting or as, I don't know, which maybe not get as much work. Or was it out of the goodness of his heart as he promised Aunt Clara and he felt bad for Lenny and he wanted to try to take care of him? That's an interesting point. I feel like it may be a little bit of both. Probably. He used what 
benefit he could get from it for his benefit. Yeah, and, and then it, the author doesn't go in deep into why the why, and you're kind of left on interpret, which is great. I love that that makes for great discussions later down the line. But the first time in the opening chapters, the first in the opening chapters is the first time we hear about the dream, as it's referred mm-hmm. to basically in literary works. They're going to go have a farm. This is like totally a pipe, a big pipe dream because during the Great Depression, people are just barely getting by. The fact that they'd be able to put some money back and save and buy a piece of land that apparently George had in mind, he had a particular piece of land in mind that they thought they'd be able to get cheap mm-hmm. and kind of live and be self-sufficient on their own. Um, it's nice that they shared that, but do you think it was feasible? It might have been if things hadn't kept going wrong. Right. I mean, that was the problem. They, they had to survive on their savings and live and then start all over again every time something went wrong with Lenny. Mm-hmm. But it might have been possible if things had gone differently. All right, so they get to the bunkhouse. They finally get to the new env- the new environment. They're late, in trouble. Why do you, What do you think is important about the, the scenes in the bunkhouse? Like, why did, why did they have the conversations they had? Why was the whole scene about the dog there other than, was it foreshadowing? Was it... Maybe setting up the normal, like, what was normal. That's fair. So you can kind of tell what it is, especially for people that may not be as familiar with what it is, but I guess you don't expect your book to go <laughs> and last that long. Well, you also, you do have to, I think you have to set the standards of the characters, who they are, what they act like. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with George trying to take over talking for Lenny. And- yeah. Which I, w- led to interesting dynamics later, because they're like, why doesn't the other one talk? Right. It's like, just get him out there, let him show you how hard he can work. You don't need him to talk. He's not that bright. Just let us. <laughs> so what did, um, I don't know, anything in that scene or section catch your eye? Not really. It was kind of just normal dialogue, I feel like. What was the conversation around Curly's dog? It was interesting to see that. Cause you kinda... Not Curly, Candy. Candy. <laughs> I got what you meant. Yeah. You can kind of tell that Lenny wants to go see the dogs now. Because right. he likes the animals and the fur. Does he have the soft furry things? Yeah, and I feel like there was there was foreshadowing of things to come all the way through this. You know, kind of that Chekhov's gun. Yeah. Especially in a novel, a novella that short. You don't talk about something unless it's going to be important later. Um, so the fact that he can't control himself over touching things, especially that he can't control his own strength... Um, I thought the fight was interesting. I've met a lot of guys like the boss's son. They got a little bit of power, or they've mm-hmm. got a lot of friends, and they will talk, you know, big game because they've got not just the physical power, but he knew that you know he could get these guys fired, and they could you know be in a hard situation without without work. Um, but I loved it when when George George was like, "Get him!" Yeah, and, you know, and I picture that you know, he catches his fist like head on and covers you know his big meaty Andre the giant like hand covers the his entire fist which is a very hard catch but it's what they always show in the movies to show how powerful a guy is and then I don't know how hard you have to squeeze a guy's hand to break it like that but this just gives you the image of how strong Lenny is and he probably doesn't even realize it no I mean I don't, I don't think he I don't think he has the ability to comprehend how, mm-hmm. how strong he is but I after that moment, I really started picturing him like Andre the Giant size. <laughs> Maybe not 7'4", or whatever he was, but, you know, big, huge guy. guy. Yeah. But if he had the intelligence, we'd be running the show. Because who's going to stand up to him, basically? 
So that happens. And, like, he goes to see the dogs multiple times before then and kind of tries to take it away from its mom to play with it, even though it's too young. Yeah, because they were just born a week or two ago or something. Yeah. Which it's a cute scene to see him with it. But then you kind of know something bad is going to happen. Yeah. Enter Curly's... Not Curly. Candy. No. No, I had it right. Curly was the boss's son. So enter Curly's wife. Now, it's interesting. She never gets a name. Have you noticed that? <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> um, and some people who've been reading this... People who've been reading this book for years just basically say she's a plot device. She's not a character. <laughs> like, you don't give the zombies the names in horror movies because they're just a plot device. And so she's kind of the same thing. She's trouble. Yeah. Whatever, for whatever reason, she's not satisfied in her marriage. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but she's apparently... Kind of mad. And always stirring up stuff with the guys in the bunkhouse, and then he gets into fights. Because some women apparently like to see their men fight for them. I don't know. <laughs> but then, you, did you see anything coming on that? Like, this is going to be trouble, or... No, I don't think so. So you weren't thinking through this, like, how, what's, what's going to happen? No. Okay, that's fair. I think I read most of it in kind of, like, one sitting. Okay. So I don't know if I really planned ahead. Didn't have time to think about it too much? Well, that's, it's a short enough book that you can do that. It's not very long. Do you think, okay, let's just get to it. Do you think anyone particular was to blame for her death? I mean, I don't know. Talk it out. Lenny was the one that did it. Right. But George knew what he could do and kind of left him alone. Yeah. And she was definitely doing things she ought not be doing, especially after uh, Lenny broke Curly's hand, and now she's in there, like, flirting with him, almost like she wanted to see him do worse to him, like she's trying to stir up trouble. Again, he's just doesn't recognize his own strength, you know, purely an accident. And I have, like, a childlike innocence. Like, if a baby was a sumo wrestler, you don't realize right. what they do. I mean, I picture he probably had the, the, the intelligence or whatever of a, I mean, seven-year-old, eight-year-old maybe. I mean, maybe even younger. He didn't seem to be, didn't seem to have grown much past that mentally. Mm-hmm. And we know he'd crushed mice and whatever, and one of the puppies already, so doesn't recognize his own strength. Now... Should George be watching him every step along the way? Maybe. I don't know what their history was like. Maybe he knows he can leave him for a little, a little bit, bit of time. Because nothing like that's ever happened. Well, but it has. Because whatever the girl was at the last ranch, he had grabbed a hold of her dress and then locked up and couldn't. And that's what he did here. He locked up and didn't know what to do to let go and ended up snapping her neck. So then it's interesting. Did you notice? And it begins and ends in the same place. Yeah. So I'd like to see, I mean, this was written in such a way that it could be done as a play or read as a novel. That was his goal, so it's a lot of dialogue. Interesting. I don't think I noticed that. Well, I didn't, I didn't notice it in the reading, but I read, you know, doing some research to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be interesting to see the scenes, because there's only really the, the pond, the bunkhouse. And the farm. The barn. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, what do they call them? The buck. The barley buck? Or that might have been his it. Room. Um, yeah, so there's only like four or five scenes. You almost could like walk, split the stage up, and start over here on the, you know, one side and go through everything and then end up right back there at the same thing. So at what point did you see it coming? I did it. At all? No. I love, God love you. You're so innocent. But what did you think? Is it a good choice? Probably better than the alternative. 
Yeah, I mean, they were not going to be nice to him. They were going to torture him and string him up. It would have been a long, scary, terrifying, painful process. Best just to get it over with the fastest way. So this whole discussion of euthanasia, as it's called, like mercy killing, is one of the big reasons this book has been banned. Apart from the use of the N-word and other vulgarity, um, that was one of the ones I I read. And I was like, wow, I, I didn't know anything had ever been banned for that before. But... It's not something we're okay with as a culture. At least, I don't know where you're listening, but in America, we're not terribly okay with that idea. (laughs) Well, we also don't normally tend to torture people. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. Well, not that we talk about, but that's a whole other political discussion. (laughs) This isn't a political book, so we'll stay away from that. But yeah, I just don't know. Like, I don't know that I could bring myself to do it, but I think it might have been the best thing, both for Lenny and for George. Um, definitely for Lenny, because I couldn't imagine somebody who has that mental capacity going through that and just screaming for George, and then George like, having to listen to it and go through that whole—I mean, that whole process would just be ugly and horrid. And but at the same time, this guy's been your ward, your friend, your traveling companion, everything. Yeah, to shoot him and put him out of his misery—that's scary. But I don't think I'd be able to do it. This is what I was saying. Like you're like, why do books have to be sad? This feels like a very good ending all the way sad ending does that make sense yeah that makes perfect sense and i think the classics capture that a lot better i haven't i haven't read many modern books where they have a good tragic ending Hmm. you know tragedy being when people are overwhelmed by their by whatever their weaknesses are but good in that uh that was apt it was it was a solid ending so what do you think happens to george after this i don't know Maybe he's he might have to leave and go to a new place. Or, or he's own. proven himself there, so if they keep him on, he's at least got a place. But I'll bet he is drinking his life away. Probably. So like he he pretty much he gave up on the dream at that point. He admitted it was always a pipe dream and never going to happen. So even with Candy's money, and I don't think they would ever. And, and, even if he would have gone and gotten it, it would have been more miserable because now he's always thinking George or Lenny should be here too. Yeah. Which is the really sad part. Like, he's probably going to die in the next couple of years from alcohol poisoning or getting into a fight or something stupid because he's going to be on a downward spiral of misery. But that's a good, tragic ending, <laughs> which is such a weird way to say that, right? Yeah. So the only thing that bothered, bothered me at the end is, what was it? Was it Carlson? I think one of the one of the ranches. I wish I had a copy of the book to look at. Oh, I do. Actually, reach down there, grab it. So after after everything happens, uh, Slim, Slim twitched George's elbow. Come on, George. Me and you will go and get a drink. And George let him help him to his feet. Yeah, a drink. And Slim said, "You had a George. I swear you had a." Come on with me. He led George to the entrance of the trail and up towards the highway. So I thought that'd be where you end it. Like that's it. They walk off into the sunset. But mm-hmm. then. Curly and Carson looked after them, and Carlson said, Now what the hell you think Spose is eating those two guys? Why that line at the end? I don't know. My, my only thought is to show the callousness of the, envi- of the world. Like, they couldn't even begin to comprehend why he would be upset that he just had to murder the guy he'd been traveling with. So it goes back to that whole, you know, why are you two traveling together? Everyone should be completely independent, disconnected, you know. Emotionless. Out for yourself. And they can't even begin to comprehend. They're so they're so broken. They can't even understand, like why you'd be upset that you had to kill a man, even if he had murdered somebody. So, 
this is why Steinbeck is brilliant, and I'm not. <laughs> because he put that at the end, and pro- I don't know, maybe, maybe it was a throwaway, and I'm putting way too much into it. But I thought that, like, once I thought about it... I, Such a cold, yeah, ruthless world. Yeah. I mean, that that line, without just writing a, di- a paragraph of prose, paints a picture of this world, like, like you can't believe. So, I'm, I'm like, stuck on this last line of, wow, that really grabbed me. Any final thoughts on the book? It was really sad, but it was a really good ending. I think you said a good tragic ending. Yeah. I don't know if I can think, even off the top of my head, I can't think of many more of those. Happy endings are way more popular, but good tragic. Let us know if you can think of another one, because I'm, I'm, I'll post in, I'll post in our group and see if I can figure that out. I'm trying to think of a good tragic ending. I don't think I've read any. Well, yeah, because I mean, you read mostly young adult. Like, try not to kill too many people in young adult books. <laughs> You know, but, a tr- yeah. Okay, we'll think about it. So what are you classifying as tragic? So I'm using what I remember from my English lit days. And a tragedy versus a comedy, a tragedy is when the characters are overwhelmed by their faults. Does that make sense? So at the end, it's, it's, George loses out because of his fault. It's his fault. I mean, it's actually one of his uh, not non-faults. One of his attributes is he loves Lenny. He's, mm-hmm. care- he's going to care for him even to the even to the detriment of himself. So that ends up overwhelming him and, and causing a bad ending in a way for him. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Because so I was thinking about it, and like, there's a few that end with like the bittersweet moments, but then based on that classification, I don't think any of them would count as a tragic ending. No, that's fair. But that's, that's my understanding. So if you think of any, we can maybe try to find some. Any last thoughts on Of Mice and Men? Why do you think it's been a classic for so long? Maybe ask that question. I'm honestly not sure. Partly because Steinbeck became famous for other things. Partly because <laughs> it's, just, it's a great story of tragic friendship, which, again, they're not very common. Mm-hmm. So when things aren't common, they tend to stand out and be more valuable. I don't know. Those are my ideas. Those both make sense. Yeah. All right. You want to join us for our next book? We are reading the first in the series of The Cadre Kids. Uh, Author Mary Mulligan reached out to us, uh, sent us a copy of the book. We're going to do a review of it on the show. Uh, It's about what she's, how did she describe it? About ghost hunting homeschool kids forced into public high school. So we thought, that seems right up our alley. (laughs) Hopefully no forcing into public high school. We'll never force. We'll have that discussion, but that's not time for this. Not much for this show. Uh, we'll put a link to the show notes for that book. Sorry, let me try that again. We'll put a link for that book in the show notes of this one. So if you want to read along with us, uh, we've got the copies. They're uh, about the size of mice and men, I would say, thickness wise. Um, they're a bit thicker and a, definitely a bit tall, like t- bigger. bigger. Okay, but still not not Keeper of the Lost Cities. No, definitely like not like that. Um, so that'll be released. This will be released in January, so that will be the book we read in January, and then the show will be released in February. February. So again, reading-radio.com. You can find all the information you need about us there. You can find all of our old episodes. We're going into our third year now, and this month, actually in December, we're on track, if everything continues to go well, to have our biggest month of downloads ever. So I'm asking for my birthday present here in December, which you guys have already passed, but it's a late birthday present to have a good download episode. Listen to the last episode. Till then, happy reading. Happy reading.